Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Let's just worship him a moment. We worship you. We worship you. We glorify you. We worship you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. I want to um, go with me in your Bibles, if you would, and turn to um, turn to John chapter two. John chapter two. Um, before we read out of that passage, I want to read something to you that Dad Hagen had in a vision that occurred. And it was a vision that Jesus talked to him about the last days, our time. And Jesus said that what he was showing him was the last great revival. And Jesus went on to say to Dad Hagen, all the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation in the church in these last days, and the church will do greater things than even the early church did. It will have greater power, signs, and wonders than were recorded in the Acts of the Apostles. He said that we have seen and experienced many healings, but we will now behold amazing miracles that have not been seen before. Now listen to that. That's not been seen before. Dad Hagen made a statement in connection with this phrase. He said, because it's not been seen before, many will reject them. They'll say, that's not recorded in the Bible, so I don't accept it. But those who know the Spirit will accept what is of the Spirit. And you say, well, if something isn't in the Word, you shouldn't accept it. Well, know this, and I understand the, the general intent of that statement. But there are some specifics. I mean, Jesus had never seen, the earth had never seen any blind man ministered to and healed till Jesus came. It was nowhere in the Word. It was first with him. He had never seen anybody. It's never recorded in the Old Testaments of the prophets that any of them ever made clay out of spit and mud and put it on a blind man's eyes. There were things worked that was a first time under Jesus' ministry that were reserved for that era. And once you enter that era, it's open to every era after that. So what we have to be careful of is not become so legalistic. Because you can become so legalistic with the word you factor God out. And we have to make sure we don't become so legalistic that we miss the moving of God because we don't have an exact record of something in the word. And when God wants to do it, God can do it because there are certain manifestations reserved for certain eras. 
because we're going to need in the last days to reap a harvest that no era has ever reaped before. So we're going to have weapons and tools and things that we've not seen come into manifestation before. And I believe that there are angels that are held in reserve for the last days. They've never had their movement on the earth because their movement's reserved for the last days. So we're going to see things we've not seen before because the era calls for them. And um, we have to go back and you say, well, if it's not in the Word, I won't accept it. The Word is full of firsts. There's our sample. There's our example of what to follow. So if God wants to do another first, who says he has spent all of his firsts? He's got more firsts. And the Bible is full of firsts. So we're on the word to receive something the first time it's ever come into manifestation. And that's what Jesus was telling Dad Hagen. He said that we have seen and experienced many healings, but we will now behold amazing miracles that have never been seen before. This is what Jesus told Dad Hagen. Jesus continued, and he said, More and more miracles will be performed in the last days which are just ahead, for it is time for the gift of the working of miracles. It's time. We need to put it in our mouth. It's time for miracles in my life. It's time for miracles in my church. We need, he says these things so we'll know what to say in this time. And then he went on and said, Many of my own people will not accept the moving of my spirit. And they will turn back and not be ready to meet me at my coming. Many will be deceived by false prophets and miracles of satanic origin. But follow the word of God, the spirit of God, and me, and you will not be deceived. I am gathering my own together and in preparing them, for the time is short. So we must think right about miracle power. We have to think right because we can formulate and concoct a, a way of thinking that's not in keeping with the way miracle power operates. We have to think right if we're going to cooperate with miracle power. Wrong thinking won't cooperate. We have to get rid of the thinking that miracles are hard. Where in the scripture does it call them hard? We call them hard because it's impossible for man. But we can't accuse God of man's weaknesses. God has no weakness. And just because it's not possible for us to perform, we're not authorized to call it hard for him. <laughs> Amen. We have to get rid of the thinking that we have to coerce God into performing a miracle. That we have to sway him with tears and enough praying and don't misunderstand me. I don't belittle prayer because there is, a, there is a role of prayer, but not to coerce God. He's ready. He's always moving. So much of the time we're praying for God to send and he's waiting for us to move with what he's already sent. Like what is he withholding that we're praying for him to send? And then we have to get rid of the thinking that he's the only one 
that decides if a miracle can be received. Ner religious people love statements like that. God goes where faith puts him. Brother Richard Roberts has been at our church several times over the past few years, and I love when he quotes his dad over and over on this statement. That Oral Roberts made this statement every day. Miracles are coming to you or they're going past you. Meaning we decide. We decide if we receive a miracle or not, not God. We decide because it's, he's already decided by sending power. Listen, God's present everywhere. The Holy Ghost is present everywhere. He's omnipresent. God is omnipresent. So everything he is is everywhere. He's a God of miracles. Miracle power is everywhere. Miracles are coming to you or going past you. Every day. Every day. And the mind goes on tilt because people are sitting there waiting for it to come and he's waiting for someone to stop that power from passing them by. You say, how do you stop the power from passing me by? Well, what did blind Bartimaeus do? Jesus was coming down the road. He heard Jesus was coming. Jesus was not coming to find blind Bartimaeus. He was en route to somewhere else. But he heard Jesus is coming. And he decided not to let power pass him by. And he started, he started calling. Faith is a sound. Faith calls. How do you keep miracle power that's flowing every day? Because God is moving every day. God never stops moving. So all that he is never stops moving. It's available all the time, every day, whether you feel it or whether you don't feel it. It's available. It's up to us to decide, I want that power today. I'm going to do something that cooperates with that power today. There, that's why I say we've got to get past this thinking that God is the only one who decides who gets a miracle. You know who decides? The one who, who uh, cooperates and reaches with their faith for that power that's always moving. So blind Bartimaeus started calling. And uh, people around him, of course, told him, be quiet. Don't let people who aren't calling tell you to quit calling. You're calling for increase and they're not. They're telling you you're crazy. Well, since you're silent about it, you keep being silent. <laughs> Don't be instructed by the unknowledgeable. So he kept calling. And Jesus refused to keep going past him. And uh, he, stopped, he stopped the Son of God on his progress. God will always stop for faith. Power will always stop with you when you release faith. 
And of course, uh, then everyone around him congratulated him. The master, he's calling for you. All those people there were content to watch a man get a miracle. I'm not content to just watch you get yours. I want mine. Every day, I want mine. The thing is, we need to recognize what a miracle is because we think that a miracle is only the spectacular. When God answers your prayer, you got a miracle because omniscience just moved into the natural. When someone called you at the leading of the Spirit who did not intend to give you a call that day, that was a miracle. Why? Because God spoke into this realm, into someone's heart and says, call them. You got a miracle that day. See, people only identify the spectacular as a miracle and not even grateful for all the miracles that have been working all through their life. When somebody that should have hit your car today veered and went another way and you saw them come close. We don't recognize miracles as we ought. Amen. A miracle is a divine intervention. So if somebody just gave you a phone call that did not intend to call you that day, there was divine intervention that moved on them. When somebody walks up and gives you just $10 that you didn't earn, Miracle. Why? Not, not, might not be very spectacular, but still supernatural. So one of the keys to receiving greater flows of miracle is recognizing the ones you're already getting. <laughs> Recognize the miracle flow that's in your life and around your life and offered to you all the time. Hallelujah. God is going to lead you to where you need a miracle. The plan of God for your life and for your ministry cannot be fulfilled without miracles because if it could, then why need Him? Then just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and fulfill what you're born for. But you can't without Him because His plan has attached to it miracles. And you need those. Miracles are not just, now don't misunderstand me because we will have it at, this, at times like this. Miracles are not just for when you find yourself on the edge of ruin. The edge of financial ruin, the edge of marital ruin, the edge of health ruin. No, don't misunderstand me. A miracle can be received at those times, but they are not just limited for the edge of ruin because most people just confined miracles to when they hit the edge of ruin, when they see no way out. Now we're going to call for a miracle. Learn to call for them every day. You don't need to be on the edge of ruin. Before miracle power is working in your children, working in your home, driving back and holding back the plan of the enemy. Miracle power is working for you so many times. And you don't, we don't even recognize it. And when we don't recognize it, we don't show proper gratitude. And when we, show, we don't show proper gratitude, things begin to dry up. Because the devil can steal from you what you're not grateful for. Gratitude protects 
what you've received to be in your keeping. So the enemy can't steal it from you. I mean, God led, God led the Hebrews out of Egypt. He led them to the Red Sea. He led them to where they had to have a miracle. And he led them there. And so much as some, sometimes people have an idea that if you need a miracle, sometimes you just miss God so bad you need a, a bailout. But God will put you at a place where only he can deliver you. Why? Because that's where he's glorified. You have to say, I did not do this. And everybody who knows you, and no, no credit goes to man, because they look at you and go, well, I could have told you you couldn't do that. <laughs> Just know this, miracles are part of our inheritance. It's a flow of our inheritance that belongs to us in Christ. Let's call for them. Let's Amen. receive them. When the word says all things are possible with God. All things. That, don't you love that word, that big word all? All. All. All things. Yeah. Remember when Jesus was ministering to the man who was... Um, He's a crippled man, and he told, and all these religious leaders were there, and he said, take up your bed and walk. Your sins are forgiven you. Oh, that did not please them. They wanted people bound and under the guilt of sin and the shame of sin. And who is this man coming in and releasing them <laughs> from, from their sickness and from their shame? And uh, Jesus said, well, what's easier, to tell a man to rise and walk or tell a man his sins are forgiven? He didn't say which is harder. He said, which is easier? What's that? God's telling us it's all easy for God. Getting up and walking off your deathbed, easy for God. Getting up and walking off your cripple bed, easy for God. Cleansing a man of sin that would have carried him to hell, easy for God. He said, it's easy. Who are we to call miracles hard? He already called it easy. We don't receive all that we should receive because we're not thinking like him yet. Amen. So for us in this era that we need this full measure flow to reap a last day harvest, we're going to have to call it the way God calls it. Whatever you need in your life, God has miracles for it. Amen. And it's not a last ditch effort to bail you out of the edge of ruin. It's the flow of heaven. It's the Father's flow. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, when we need a miracle, we're going to have to quit looking at us. We'll never receive a miracle fixed on us. Why? Because what we see will short-circuit our ability to believe and receive. And this is where many people fail is because they're trying to, with their own mind, wrap their head around a miracle answer. And uh, your mind can't handle that. You can't believe God with your mind. How do you know if you're trying to believe God with your mind if you feel overwhelmed? You feel like you're grasping? That's because you're trying to believe with your mind. But your heart can believe what your mind absolutely cannot get wrapped around. I love the, I love the story with Wigglesworth when he was asked by a husband of a woman who was dying. She was in... I'm talking final moments of life. 
would you come to my house and pray for my wife? She had been on her deathbed for a period of time. She was skeletal. She looked the picture of death. And there were about, I don't know, six or seven other Christians there gathered around her bed to pray, and they all took turns going around one at a time and praying around her bed. One said, oh, God, you know, comfort the husband. He'll be, he'll be you know, he'll be grieving. Comfort the children. They'll lose their mother. And Wigglesworth said he was standing there saying to himself, oh, God, shut them up. <laughs> And it came time for him to pray. And uh, he spoke the word and she was raised up. But when he prayed, at the time he prayed, uh, Jesus' face appeared over her bed. It's easy to, when you see something like that, you step into another realm. It's hard in this realm. Miracles are of another realm. You can't live dominated by this realm and fully fully cooperate with that realm. We have to be mindful there's another realm. And so he, he tapped in. He stepped into that other realm. See, he, he came with skill of that realm to that room that day. And she was raised up off of her deathbed within moments of dying. And those that were there in the room and asked, they said, how come she wasn't raised up when we prayed? They later, later asked him, he said, because you prayed looking at the dying woman. I prayed looking at Jesus. You see, when you're going to receive a miracle, you better quit looking at, you, at your need. You quit looking at what, what is so apparent. It matters if you're going to receive the miracle power that's moving toward you every day. It matters what your attention is on. And there's a discipline to holding your mind and your thoughts and your focus and your attention on the, the flow of God instead of the flow of the natural that you're seeing and feeling. Amen? Amen. But the Word gives us very definite steps to take to receive a miracle. So there in John chapter 2 and verse 1, I love this passage. I love this passage because this is the first miracle that was performed under Jesus' earthly ministry. And you have to know this, that, that scripturally there's a law of firsts, that God establishes an order and a system when we see things happen for the first time. That's even carried out in our court system in this nation. There's a precedent set. Whenever a judge is going to make a ruling on a case, he, by, he has to go back and see what precedence has been set. And he rules in line with the first. That's the system. God has the same system. So we can find out how to cooperate with miracles by looking at firsts. So John chapter 2 verse 1, it says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? What is this? Like, am I, am I now the caterer? <laughs> really? She's telling him catering needs. She's helping him transition into a miracle flow. 
And he said to her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. So she made a request of him. He answered her. She didn't like it. <laughs> she didn't like what he said. <laughs> she ignored what he said. Like she walks up to him and says, They have no more wine. He says, Not my problem. That's basically what he said. Not my problem. She turns. At this hour, he answered her. And then look at the next verse. His mother said to the servants, she done talking to him. She said to the servants. She said to the servants, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. She put a demand on him to say something. She put a demand on him to give them something to obey. Give them something to obey. How could she? He's never worked a miracle. How would she know to tell them whatsoever he says to you, do it? How did she know that? She knew that because of the way he lived his life. He told us how he lived his life. Only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. Jesus didn't start that the day his ministry became public. That's the way he lived his life. He only said what he heard his father say. He only did what he saw his father do. So she knew his saying would be safe for them to act on. So she turns and she said, whatsoever he says to you, do it. In here we see huge instructions. Do you want to break it down and see what instructions for us to take? Because there are steps here that we can make. And know this, he, she, she put a demand on him. Did God initiate this miracle? Did God tell her, go talk to Jesus about some wine? No. God's not mentioned. She saw a need. And she put a demand on the power that was present to meet that need. You say she initiated a miracle. Yes, she did initiate a miracle. But can I say this? God really initiated by power being present. Let me tell you this. Power is present. That power is there so that you'll initiate something with that power. He initiated it by being present with power. Does that make sense to you? So it is her initiating it, but God had an open invitation of initiating it by just being present. Praise the Lord. She gave them, he, she told him, give them something to obey. And what did he tell them? He said, go fill the water pots with water. These are cleansing pots. They wash hands and feet in these. Uh, if you look, uh, look it up, they, they say that these pots held about 30 gallons of water each. So this is no small task. They're and you know, there's no faucet, right? There's no water hose. They're hauling. So they could have said, we have filled these pots once. We're not filling it again. We're tired. We we're, she told the servants, the caterers, the people who are taking care of all the guests. But they didn't rebuttal. They just did it. 
And she gave them, he gave them something to obey. Why? Because obedience invites miracles. What is God dealing with you about? If you'll obey, you set, you open the door for miracle power. Obedience invites power. Disobedience closes the door to power. Power never leaves, but power can't have access without obedience. God does not withhold power when we disobey. We shut doors with disobedience. Obedience opens doors. Disobedience closes doors. So that's why she, she put a demand on him, give them something to obey. Praise the Lord. Religion will tell you, sit back and see if God will do a miracle for you. You'll never get something. Because God needs man's participation and cooperation in his own miracle. She said, whatsoever he says to you, do it. She's letting us see this. She understands this. She's letting us see this, that when God has a miracle to perform, he's going to involve you. And religion thinks God does it apart from you, that it just drops on you. It just appears. But that's not scriptural. The way and the law of, the, of, of receiving miracles is you, you have to participate with miracle power. You have to receive. You have to cooperate. I remember years ago I was sitting on, we were having our midweek service at the church and that night we had turned it into a prayer service and I'd I'd been teaching for a while on prayer and then I went and sat on the platform for a while. I was just sitting there praying. After a few moments, Jesus came walking up the side aisle here, walked up on the platform and stood right by me by the chair, right there. And he wasn't saying anything. And I, I mean, he's there for about four or five minutes and it dawns on me. Lightning fast mind. Nancy, you need to respond. Just because he walked in doesn't mean he has my permission to say something. See, that's what religion thinks. That he just comes in and takes over and bombards everything and just drops everything and says anything he wants. No, he does. Dad Hagen used to tell us God's a perfect gentleman. He will never come in uninvited. Even though he was there, even though he stood there, he didn't say a word until I responded. And I said, Jesus, I I recognize that you're here and you've come to do something. What is it that you've come for? And he said, I want you to travel with your husband overseas. And I said, well, God, you know, there's like 10 and 12 ministers and even more that go with him, you know, and they share services like they don't need me. But, you know, it doesn't matter what I thought. (laughs) So I started booking myself to go with him. I wasn't going to preach. I was just going to be with him. And because he said I had no idea that he'd be leaving the planet and there was put in place a a fellowship between me and those ministers to keep the door open. And now I'm in Russia and TBN in 186 countries. If I missed that instruction, I would not be in 186 countries several times a week preaching today. If I hadn't responded, even though he came in the room, doesn't matter that he's in the room. You can sit there and know he's in the room and enjoy his presence, but if you don't cooperate and release your faith, you get nothing. We have to cooperate. 
with power that is present, whether it's healing power, miracle power, delivering power, whatever that power will work. It requires our cooperation and faith is your cooperation, your agreement. And you say, you say something, you respond. Amen. Dad Hagen talked about years ago, him and Mom Hagen, they took a travel trailer with them. And they would stay in the travel trailer at the churches, park it behind the church and stay there and so they didn't have to be in all the hotels all the time. And one night, um, he heard the door open in the middle of the night. He got up to see and the door was shut. It was secure and so he got back in bed and he said, I recognized there's a presence in the room. And he said, I even reached out to touch it. There, he said, I recognized there was an angel there. And he said, it stood there a few moments and it turned around and walked out. He said right after that, there came a financial uh, downturn to the economy. And he started falling behind financially and fell behind and kept falling behind and kept falling behind. Did that for about a year or so. Had to go get loans to even keep functioning daily to cover his bills. And uh, he was in a service one night and Jesus walked in and talked to him about one aspect of the ministry. And then he said, Dad Hagen brought up and he says, you know, I'm falling behind financially. And he says, yeah. He said, I sent my angel into that trailer to talk to you about it. And he said, but you wouldn't respond to him, so he left. And now he's suffering financially because he didn't respond. How many times we suffer because we don't respond? We're, we're in a church service, and we think just being in a chair is a response. It's not a response. Listen, I know being in a chair is not a response. I went to school every day <laughs> of my school career, wishing I wasn't there, I was in the chair. But I wasn't there to respond. I was there to be counted present so I wouldn't flunk. There's a lot of people that show up just so they can be seen as present. And then try to spend that before God. And that doesn't work. You know... If I were to flunk a class, my mom could say, well, she's in class every day. Yeah, but she doesn't turn any homework. She doesn't do any, she doesn't pay attention. She, you know, doesn't matter that you're present. It's what you do when you're present. We have to respond from here. We have to be interested and engaged and amen. Praise the Lord. So Dad Hagen could have avoided some problems. I was reading the account of a man who had an experience where he saw angels come into, and I, my husband noted this many times during the years of our marriage, that angels would come and bring body parts. And they would be standing behind someone who needed another body part. And then the people wouldn't respond in the service. They're there. They wouldn't respond in faith. And he said, turn and watch those angels leave with that body part. They didn't come to, yeah. to go back with it. Yeah. I love something when we were in our, uh, no, our Fredonia Miracle Crusade. Pastor Amy Siegel, her and Joel Siegel were doing the morning meetings and she said something that she had. I don't remember if it was a dream, a vision, how, how that came to pass. But she said she was standing in the room with the body parts in heaven. Mm. And she said something I had never thought of, but how true it would be. She said, they were all living. Wow. 
They were living body parts. They were functioning. They were not dead. They were living body parts. And she said she saw some angels take them and leave the room and come to, come to earth with them. And then she saw those same angels come back and put them back because the person didn't respond. Miracles have to be responded to. This is what Old Robert said every day. Miracles, miracle powers coming to you or going past you. Why does it go past us? Because we're not even recognizing miracles happening every day. Praise the Lord. So when we look at this, are you still with me? We, we look at this instruction that Mary gave to those servants. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Let's take that one word at a time, whatsoever. Whatsoever, whether you like it or not, whether you prefer it or not, whether it's your preference or not, whether it's convenient or not, whether it's what you planned or not. I've learned this. As I grow, as I grow spiritually, mature spiritually, get rid of preferences. Because preferences just become something else I have to step over to obey God. Because many times what he instructs is not in line with my preference. So just don't have a preference. Yes, I have a will, but I don't build a, I don't want to do this attitude. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, God needs your response and your cooperation because without your permission, power doesn't reach your need. Not that it can't, it won't without permission. Notice the, the, this gift of the Spirit called the working of miracles. Notice what it's not called, the appearing of miracles. It's called the working. God has a work, but man has a work. Man's work is not power. Man's work is obedience. It's the working of a miracle. Many miracles, most miracles, are a process. You go, well, what about, look at this. What about Peter? He sees Jesus walking on the water, and he said, if it's you, bid me come. How smart. He didn't wait. He waited until he heard. You don't just randomly start jumping out. You know, 12, 12 disciples just jumping out the boat. No. One, they'd realize, how did he know to do that? He's been taught. Jesus taught him. You don't just go randomly out and do stuff. You ask for what God's word on it. See, Jesus only did what he saw his father do. You know he taught him that. You only do what he shows you that he's authorizing you to do. You don't decide. This is why so many people are disappointed in their faith life because they didn't take time to hear before they started grabbing at what they were going to believe. I said, I've said it last night. I think I said it the night before. Faith comes by hearing, not by deciding. Faith comes because you heard what God said to you about that need. And when you know what he said to you about that need, well, I just found me a scripture. Is that what he said to you? Because there are several 
different ways that God may have somebody to respond to the exact same need in their life. One person, he'll say, go to the doctor. Another person, he'll say, stand on my word. And it's all God. This is where many people get disillusioned with faith and disappointed that their prayers didn't work, their faith didn't seemingly get the results because they decided what they wanted before they heard what he said. This is huge. I said this is a huge key. How many times I have had people in 25 years of pastoring that came to me, they were going through medical things and they said, the doctors told them they need to have surgery. They said, Pastor, I'm not having the surgery. I said, that's fine if that's what God said. But don't not have it because you don't want the surgery. Because I said, nobody wants one. I don't know if anybody says, I want one, sign me up. Nobody wants one. So just because you don't want one, is not the leading of the Spirit. So many Christians do not know the leading of the Spirit, and they think they do. They think a good idea is the leading of the Spirit. They think something that their wife or their husband or their family came up with or, or likes, that's the leading of the Spirit. It's life and death that you know the leading of the Spirit. Because... Peter said, if that's you, bid me come. He waited for what God would say to him, what Jesus would say to him, and he said, come. And he got out of the boat. It was a process of that miracle. First of all, he looked to know, do I do it or not? He waited to hear. That's the first step to a miracle. The second thing is he went that direction. He, he had to throw his leg out of the boat. God did, when Jesus said come, he didn't just find himself on the water. He took, it was a process. He went, I don't know if he stripped off anything. You don't know. And he takes the, he goes through the process. He climbs over the side of the boat and he puts his feet to the water. And then he took one step. Well, that doesn't mean you're done. Then he took another step. See, miracles are a succession of steps. Steps of obedience, steps of not stopping, steps of not backing up, steps of continuing to do what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Come. At one point, he stopped. When he stopped, he quit doing what Jesus said, and therefore he began to sink. Why? Because he stopped doing. Jesus said, come. He didn't say, come out here and go four steps and stop. So he received a miracle, then he lost a miracle. Why? Because the working of a miracle is that, a working. Every step is a working of that miracle. So once you release your faith, don't you come back off of it. Don't you decide one day, because I feel strong and I'm up, I'm on it. And then one day you don't feel all the, you don't feel all the good. You don't feel charged up. You don't sense anything special. And so you let, you let go on what you're believing. It'll take you a long time to arrive. That stopping and starting business delays your victory. 
Know this, when, you, when you're believing God for a miracle, that you get on it and you walk every step. And every day, every day you get up and you say the same thing. Every day. What's, what am I to say? You have to know what he said to you. You can't just grab a random verse that you like. He has to quicken. Quicken thou me according to your word. Not according to what I picked. Um, there's a testimony. Um, my goodness, I don't, several, maybe four, I don't know how many years ago now. And I had been having, um, <clears throat> I was keeping a big schedule. I had, uh, I'm one that I understand the place of rest. When you travel, if you want to enjoy traveling, you better not live tired. You live tired, you will start dreading travel. And you can't dread a portion of what you're called to. So I know I have to stay rested so that I can enjoy the physical side, the physical demand on that. And um, I'm not high strung, so I can rest. I know how to rest. I schedule rest days like I schedule preaching days. Why? Because I'm in it for the long run. I'm not trying to get it all done this year. And... Uh, I, uh, I had a physical situation to where it, did, it bothered me only at night and it, it'd keep me from sleeping. It wasn't painful, but it was just constant. So I'd lay down to sleep and I couldn't sleep. And I was only getting, I would stay up uh, night after night after night. I couldn't sleep. And then about the third day, I'd crash. So I'd stay up for two nights and crash the third, crash up for two nights and did that for like two years. That's pretty tough when you're traveling, especially if you go overseas and you've got long flights, you know. Sometimes they're, by the time from leaving the house to getting to a hotel, you're up, you know, 35 hours sometimes. So you've got to sleep on the plane, not me. <laughs> I didn't. And so you can understand over time it started breaking down the body. And so the, the doctors had said to me, you know, you're anemic. And that was one of the things. So I, um, and I'm telling you this story because there's a connection here. And so I, uh, <clears throat> um, they said, you know, you, you need to take iron pills or whatever. So I took iron pills and they made me sick. And I go, I don't, I don't take anything made me sick. No, no, we're, not, we're done with that. <laughs> and so um, I, uh, I, went, I was ex actually supposed to go preach for Pastor Hattabaugh. And I was supposed to make an early morning flight. And uh, I woke up and I could not get out of bed. I was so tired from several years of this going on plus when you're anemic and so they had told me you're almost to the point where you need a transfusion a blood transfusion so right before I woke up I had a dream and in the dream I saw myself having a blood transfusion now I knew that wasn't the, I knew it wasn't the devil you can tell if the devil because the devil can give you stuff like that too you have to measure those things weigh them try the spirits where'd that come from and so I called uh, different ones, and I said, I cannot get out of bed. And I, I knew what I saw. Well, see, that's the last thing I knew. Do I want a blood transfusion? No, I don't want a blood transfusion, but I know what I saw. Yeah. 
And I don't have... God's not telling you what to do so that you can take your faith and try to do something different. Your faith is not so you can disobey what he, show, what he showed you or what he said to you. So, no, I don't want a blood transfusion, but that's what I saw. Am I putting my faith on it? No, but I'm not going to try to act like I can get up and make this trip because I thought, I don't know, I may get partway in the trip and not be able to go any further, and I don't want somebody to have to cart me back home. So I postponed that meeting, and Pastor Dennis graciously let me out of it. And uh, so I was home for a couple of days, and Morgan called me, my daughter-in-law, and she said, Dr. Jacobs is going to be at the Ramos' church in San Diego Sunday night. And she said, do you want to go? And I, I mean, I was exhausted. And the longer you sit still, the more you feel how tired you are and you get buried in that. And I said, and this was, she called me Sunday morning after church. I went to church and she called me Sunday morning. I was just exhausted. And I said, yeah, I'll go. I can be, I can be tired there like I can be tired here. <laughs> the day before, I'm out walking around my, my pool there at the castle. And these words are coming up. Can this be changed? Can this be changed? And I thought, and I said no, because I know what I saw. I thought the devil was trying to get me off of what I saw. You know, trying to get me to put my faith on something when God has already shown me. And so that thought came to me and I just pushed it back down. No. No, I know what I saw. Not, I don't want it, but I know what I saw. I'm not going to try to believe for something different. So I'm sitting in that service that night. Dr. Jacobs is preaching. And uh, right before this, at, at one point in his preaching, up, the, up come those words again. Can this be changed? And I thought, no, I know what I saw. Then Dr. Jacobs came over. He didn't know anything about it. He like came over and laid hands on me and spoke strength into my body, told my body to straighten up. And I don't know the exact wording, but he, he specified exactly everything I was dealing with. Wow. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, hmm, no, I'm, I'm grateful for it. But up came these words, can this be changed? And I answered, well, God, I know what I saw. And God said to me, the prophet know, know, knew what he saw about the king, too. When he said, go set his house in order. But the king made a change. And when the king made a change, the outcome was changed. And I said, got it. Got it. You were showing me that if something did not happen, that you were showing me it was headed toward a transfusion. You were not sentencing me to that. But I came to the service. And I put myself in a place where a miracle could reach me. When you need a miracle, you ain't going to get it at home as quick as you're going to get it in church. Why? The atmosphere. The atmosphere. The atmosphere. The atmosphere. The anointing that's present. Amen. 
See, I was making sure I'm not going to try to go against God, but God was trying to tell me what I was showing you was not how it had to be. It could be changed. So when God shows you something and he tells you, you always have to hear from God, but hear the whole thing. Praise the Lord. This is where though many people miss it. They decide. They decide, I'm going to stand on these verses. And when something else comes up in their heart, they're still going to stick with their verses. That's why they don't receive what they need. That's why they get disappointed and their faith gets injured. Because they didn't take time to hear. Amen. Uh, how many times Dad Hagen talked about there were times people come to healing school. And all of a sudden, God would tell him about, God would say to him, preach on heaven today. He'd say, why? He says, because some of them in here are going. And so he said, get their faith on heaven. And so he would do that. Well, Father, this is healing school. Yes, but you still have to listen to God. Because for whatever reason, which isn't always the preacher's business, just do what God says. Amen? Amen. Dying is not the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. The worst thing that can happen to an unsaved person, but not a Christian. Amen. What did God say to you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Presumption. You ever heard this phrase, faith or presumption? Presumption is trying to believe when you didn't take time to hear first. That's presumption. You decided. Listen, anytime I'm believing God for something, Father, how do you want me to do this? What scripture? I always look to God first. I talk to him about it. Why? Because I don't just want to throw my faith out there on anything and not get results and then my faith is injured because I'm not bearing fruit. Amen? We got to quit playing and pretending faith. You know what pretending faith is? Pretending you have faith for something when you don't have a word from the Lord and your faith's got no foundation under it. You need to hear what God is saying to you about that particular thing so that you have a foundation that your faith is on. Because why? In the course of you believing God, in the course of you believing God, there's going to come opposition. And you're going to have to know what to say to that opposition. And if you get the word on it first, what did God quicken to you? What did God spotlight to you? Now when opposition comes, you know what to tell it. You're not just randomly grabbing something out of the mental arena, but you're with skill. You're skillfully drawing the answer out of your spirit. What is that answer? It's what God said to you before. I'm getting ready. I said it last night. I'm getting ready to renovate my castle. God said to me several years ago, he said all the money will be there. So when I'm in the midst of this, now I know what to say. All the money will be there. Yes. That's, that's my answer to every need that's going to show up. All the money will be there. Right. Good. Now, see, God gave me the castle. It wasn't the process of the purchase wasn't happening as quickly as I thought it should. And I went out talking to God, and God said, see, I was planning on taking, uh, taking out a loan and paying for the castle and then using the cash I had to renovate so that I could move into a renovated home. And God said to me, I don't want you to renovate. I don't want you to, he says, I don't want you to finance it 
and use your cash for the renovation. I want you to use your cash for the purchase. So that's why it was delayed. You see, I'm trying to believe, but I didn't take time to hear. I just assumed I had a good plan. But that plan wasn't the leading of the Spirit. So the process was delayed. Why? Until I heard. Once I heard that correction, within a couple of weeks, is in my name. Now, once I heard it, I didn't just jump in and start renovating it. See, that's another step of this thing. I need to hear it each step. I need to hear it each step of this process. So I didn't just move in and just put myself in a financial bind and just start committing myself to all this financial renovation. I've got to hear. So I'm in the house for a couple of years living in it. It's still, it's, it was certainly livable. I came home from a meeting one night, stepped up. Uh, I'd been on a trip, and I came home about 10.30, stepped on the front patio, and when I did, the anointing dropped on me like a blanket. And I said, God, what is that? He said, that's the grace to renovate. See, you don't do things without the grace. That was, that was instruction. You see? And so then, okay, the grace is on me to renovate. When do I start? See, I don't just start calling up people and say, let's get this thing going. I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to hear at every point. Why? Because I'm not putting myself in a financial bind. Why? Because God's not leading me there. He's not leading me into financial hardship. If I arrived there, I didn't get a leading. I just assumed. Yes, the grace is there, but I still need to know what month. I wanted to start this thing earlier in the year, but I had a certain month in my heart. Well, I'm going to wait for the month. Why? So he'll pay for it, not me. Every step, every step, my miracle is connected to my hearing. And if you don't take time to hear, you're going to have a miracle pass you by that should have stopped with you. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Not whatsoever your spouse said. Not whatsoever your finances said. Not whatsoever what your business said. Not whatsoever your relatives said. Whatsoever he said. If I had to learn to listen to him, I'd be in a pickle with the day my husband left this earth. I had to have my own skill. For those of you who allow the spouse to do all the hearing, you're already in a pickle because you're behind in skill. You're going to need to have the skill of hearing for yourself. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. And then notice this, whatsoever he says unto you. Not, you can't see it work for somebody else and decide, I'm going to do that. No. He didn't say that. As a pastor, you better not be looking what, how other churches operate and say, that's a good system. Did God say that unto you? Doesn't matter that it worked for somebody else. Doesn't matter it's a good idea. Doesn't matter that the public likes it. What did he say unto you? Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. Don't argue about it. Do it. Listen, Nike's not the first one. Just do it. The first miracle is just do it. Amen. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Don't talk about it. Don't discuss it and get other people's agreement before you move on it. God told us and. 
he told us in 1998. No. No. 1988 to move to Tulsa. Excuse me, move from Tulsa back to California. And uh, Ed said, because we had a building there in Tulsa, we, Dad Hagen had just come and dedicated it like a couple weeks before. We just finished the building, 1,000-seat building on 85 acres. Just finished it. Dad Hagen came and dedicated it. We're sitting there a Sunday morning in a service, and Ed said, God just said to me, go back to California and get positioned for the last day revival. I said, when are you going to tell the people? He said, this morning. <laughs> I said, all right. We sat there for a couple of years because we had a plan. Ed said, we're going to sell the building. We're going to have cash. We're going to go out there and buy the build next place, the next headquarters. We'll have it all set up. Building in Zale. So we're sitting there for two years with the finances drying up, road meetings drying up, getting behind financially, living off of every credit card you got. It was lovely. <laughs> it was just peak time of life. <laughs> and one day I got up and I said to Ed, Stephen and I are moving to California. <laughs> He said, what? I said, God told us to go to California. I'm going to California. I'm tired on this. I'm tired of this stuff. This waiting on this to sell stuff don't work. <laughs> he said, really? You're going to California? I said, yep, I'm going to California. So I booked a ticket for Stephen and I on a Monday morning. By 5 o'clock that day, I called him, and I said, I got us a house. He said, what? I said, yep, come on out. It's nice. <laughs> 4,000 square foot home, never been lived in, first time, rented it. Come on, it's nice. He said, you really rented a house? I said, God told us. Uh -huh. See, whatsoever he says to you, do it. Don't add to it. Uh -huh. yeah. Saying, well, I'll do it when. No. Yeah. I'll do it when all my ducks line up. I'll do it when my house sells. I'll do it when my money comes in. I'll do it when my wife says. I'll do it when my husband says. I'll do it. Whatever he says Amen. to you, do it. Amen. Quit adding on. Amen. Additional instructions and then expecting God to dance to it and then get disappointed when God doesn't dance to your instruction. Listen, we've all done it. You just, just realize, we all just got bit right then. That statement bit us all. Didn't just bite you, bit me too. We sat there for two years. It took us years to recover. Disobedience will cost you years. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. That's how to receive a miracle. You have to know what he's saying. And as you're believing, as you're doing your part, get your eye off the clock, Get your eye off the calendar. How long is it taking? That's not what faith is interested in. As long as your attention is on the calendar and on the clock, how long is this taking? That portion of you is not focused on God. And until you get full focus on Him, you won't have full manifestation of what you're believing for. Amen? Praise the Lord. Remember this.
Cast the care of what you're believing God for on Him. You can't work it anyway. He's the power side. We're the obedience side, the faith side. He's the power side. He'll do it. He'll do it. And you know something? He's so precious that any step we're not missing, He wants us to know that step. He will tell us if we're missing it somewhere, if we're falling behind somewhere, if we're veering somewhere, He'll tell us, listen to Him. But don't give up. Don't get disillusioned with yourself or disappointed in yourself. I should be further along. I shouldn't be in this situation. So what? Neither should the rest of us. Welcome to the club. It's about what are, you do, what are you doing today to take hold of that miracle power that's moving towards you. Are you helped tonight? Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you for your word. How we rejoice at your word. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your word. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.